In Gregorian year 2022, or Galactic Standard year 2601, Kim and AJ commenced the second season of Asynchronous, chronicling their playthrough of Mass Effect. After devoting an inordinate amount of time to character creation, they embarked on their first mission, a simple pickup of a piece of ancient technology on the human colony of Eden Prime. But they soon learned not everything was as it seemed. and welcome to Asynchronous, a video game catch-up show. My name is AJ. My name is Kim. And we've made it to season two Yay. of the podcast. Uh, I'm so excited. I yeah. Listen, I, I love Fire Emblem Three Houses, <laughs> but I'm so tired of talking and thinking about it, um, which is not like a knock on the game. It's more that I just became obsessed with talking and thinking about it. Right. It's exhausting. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I'm so excited to be talking and thinking about Mass Effect. Yeah. AJ, you sent me a message last night um, with the four <laughs> words that every girl longs to hear. <laughs> this game is good. And I died and went to heaven and ascended yeah. to the pearly gates and St. Peter was clapping when I got there. <laughs> he said, head right in. <laughs> I'm just so excited. I'm so glad that uh, you're enjoying this game. Yeah, I, it's a it's a good game. I, I I mean, as I want to do for this podcast, I had a couple hours of stuff left to do uh, <laughs> in less than 12 hours before we recorded. Not less than, but. So I sat down and played a, a, a fair amount of it yesterday and was just having a great time. I, I've, I've met some great lads. I've walked around some really, honestly, really stunning environments. Mm -hmm. um, I did some space travel. I mean, that's yeah. What, what more could I want? You know, now I'm so thrilled that you're enjoying it. I totally agree about mm. all of these things. Um <laughs> So yeah, why don't we uh, launch in? I do not have bullshit today because everything mm. I could think of was stuff about these characters who you're just <laughs> getting to know right. and it'll be yeah. way more fun later on. Yeah. But mm. I did want to talk a lot about character creation. Okay. I love the character creator in this game. It's like not even that good of a character creator. Yeah. I, I, when you said you wanted to talk about it, I was surprised. What's I don't know why, but I just love making shepherds. I just have sure. such a great time in that character creator. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but when I was making these, like I have made multiple shepherds at this point right. that I have like right. played. Um, there's Deb, who was my first one, was a paragon. When I first made her, I tried as much as I could to make her look like Fran Drescher, which was a mess. Okay. Um, and then later in Mass Effect 2, I just like totally changed it because oh I was like, I can't stare at this monstrosity any longer. <laughs> um, and then I made Jeb, no relation, who was my himbo, also a paragon, just like total meathead boy. And I also had done like a like a renegade F Shep. So this time I was like, who the hell am I going to make? And I spent a lot of time, like a lot of time, <laughs> Trying to make Fire Emblem Three Houses characters in right. Mass Effect because right. that's where my head was at. Yeah. How'd that go? Mixed results. 
Okay. I made a pretty hot to do. Not hard. Not hard. <laughs> um, I think I tried to make a Hubert who was just a disaster. I believe I made an Edelgard. I made it a Hilda. I made someone Petra adjacent, but she didn't really look like Petra. Um, mm. Just had a great time with it. But ultimately for this run, I decided to do something a little bit different. Uh, but before I explain, I want to hear about your character creation experience. Yeah, um, I am not one to really ever, ever mess around in a character creator. I will like go whatever the default option is. If there's like a set of faces that I can go through, I'll scrub through like those like 10 faces or whatever and then decide which one I like the best. Oh but if there's like options for eyes and nose and I'm like, that's too much. I don't really care what my person <laughs> looks like. I will in Bloodborne, you can randomize. So I will just randomize. I hit the mm. randomize button 10 times and like this is my Bloodborne character. And in that game, granted, it's like it does not matter what your person looks like. Um, <laughs> So, but playing this game and knowing how much you love this game and knowing that I'm going to be doing it for a podcast, I figured I should probably try and get the full experience. Nice. So I did my, my first night playing. I said, if all I do tonight is the character creation, that's fine. So I sat down with my partner, Tara. We opened the, the Mass Effect character creator and we began scrubbing through those options. I did choose uh, F Shep nice. because I was M Byleth in three houses and I felt like, you know, balance in all things. And I don't know if it's just because I actually like spent time and like had had some intentionality behind like why I was creating a character or if it was just like it's a good character creator. Um, I couldn't really tell you, but I mean, I had a great time and like it was the the options that are there are like restrained enough that I don't feel overwhelmed or like, oh, I could probably tweak this nose size a little bit or something. <laughs> um, but like they gave you enough of those like minute options that mm -hmm. you could kind of, you know, I really felt like I kind of made a unique person so it was a great time i i nice. I, I loved it i i made a uh she's pretty good looking if i do say so myself <laughs> and uh, do you want me to, to to do my like go through my uh origins reputations in class yeah or? sure sure yeah do you know these off the top of your head or should i look yes. them up to do that okay. I, I do so okay. there's something called your pre-service history which is like your character backstory um and you can choose spacer earthborn or colonist spacer is um your parents were both in the Alliance, which is the military body that does space travel on behalf of humans. And you basically spent your entire life on ships and joined up with the Alliance once you were of age. There's Earthborn, which is you were born on Earth. In Mass Effect, there's like, it's sort of implied that Earth is like kind of not like post-apocalyptic, but like that like parts of Earth are, are very... Um, poor and struggling and running out of resources and things like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's not, I wouldn't describe it so much as post-apocalyptic as like, like a capitalist dystopia. A little bit, which is strange because like we will eventually see earth later in the, oh. the trilogy. And it's not like that. I think they oh, just like decided to change that. It's hmm. sort of strange. And then there is colonists, which is, uh, you know, humans have started colonizing the planet, um, or planets in in the galaxy, and uh, you were sort of like living on on one of those colonies. And the background with colonists too is you were um, slavers uh, raided your colony and uh, <laughs> killed your family and friends, um, and you were saved by uh, an alliance vessel, and so you like joined the alliance because of that. Yeah. So I chose Spacer for my shepherd. Okay. The next thing that you choose is your uh, your psychological profile, mm. which are basically just like they give you three traumatizing events. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. How do you want how do you want your your shepherd to be mentally fucked up? 
Um, the first one is Soul Survivor. Basically, you were on a mission. It went wrong. Everybody died except for you uh, because you overcame, you know, whatever odds. The next one is War Hero, which is similar to Soul Survivor, except for you're not the only one that survives. You save everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, this is... Uh, you're attacked by the the Batarians, which are a race I just learned about from the Mass Effect Codex, mm. which I would am so excited to talk about the Codex. Honestly, oh, love this for you. I also think it's really really funny um, because this this game came out in 2007 originally, mm-hmm. and then Matt Damon's Elysium came out, I believe, in 2013 or 14, and the uh, Earth colony that was attacked by the Batarians is called Elysium. <laughs> Um, it's just very funny to me. (laughs) And then, um, the final, uh, psychological profile is ruthless. Basically you've been in the military, uh, since, you know, whenever, and you are quote, cold, calculating and brutal. Um, you're ruthlessly efficient. Failure is not an option. And the military, uh, and they always come to you first when they need like people killed (laughs) and (laughs) and morality, not questioned. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I chose the sole survivor. Okay. Or sorry. No, I chose, I chose war hero, mm. uh, for my All psychological right. profile, which default, I guess we can kind of get into it. There's a paragon and renegade system, which basically is like, are you a good person or a bad person? It's a little more nuanced than sure. that. Although a lot of the renegade choices are kind of like, are you just kind of an asshole? But, yeah. um, especially in this in this game but paragon is like you go by the books you do things sort of like the honorable way mm. whereas uh renegade you are willing to do whatever it takes to achieve your goal yeah so you know not necessarily always worried about saving the most lives or you know it's it's kind of like i'm going to do whatever it takes to to complete this even if that means causing harm along the way yeah yeah but yeah a lot of the time it's just like picking the asshole option yeah Yeah, it is it's so like all the renegade options are like you fucking idiot or like what do you think i'm a dummy (laughs) like just i don't know it's it's i I think there's i the way that you've categorized it as being like kind of like you know willing to do whatever Mm -hmm. you think is right i think is it's what it's supposed to be yeah i think that's like much more compelling than what i've been shown it is so far which <laughs> yeah. is just being a jerk um, it gets more nuanced i think as as the games go on but in sure. this game a lot of the time it's just like being an asshole yeah but the reason i bring it up now is because the depending on what psychological profile you choose uh it starts you with a certain amount of points in paragon or renegade so soul survivor you get both paragon and renegade points war hero you get paragon and ruthless you get renegade uh so i started off with some extra points in paragon yeah i never knew this i have to say i oh. did not realize that it gives you bonus points there you go yeah and other aside from that it just changes some dialogue um yeah. but your shepherd sort of acts the same no matter what the, yeah I mean, every- aside from <laughs> paragon versus renegade choices right so it's interesting to kind of like help you i guess think about who your shepherd is but Mm. doesn't actually have that much impact on the game there you go and then finally you pick your class of which there are six Mm -hmm. um and i am gonna be honest i really was unsure like what my class choice was gonna be because i didn't know what like biotics were Mm -hmm. i didn't really know like what anything meant so i just chose uh vanguard because i know my style of play in some uh, in, in in games like this sometimes is to just like run forward and like 
don't spend a whole lot of time behind cover. Uh, yeah. So Vanguard gives you like extra. Yeah, you can basically kind of do everything. It gives you some extra health and stuff, I think. So that's uh, awesome. is there anything else you wanted to get into deeper with that? Because I don't really fully understand it, if I'm being honest. I think, yeah, I think as you go, you will get a better sense of it and you can change your your class, even if you carry your shepherd over in future games. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I I totally get it. Like when I first started, I had no idea what to pick because they they give you like a list of abilities but like they don't really explain like what those abilities are right and it's like i'm not what am i supposed to do with any of yeah. this information it's like there's yeah. just no but yeah i think that's a great pick for for your first run and i think it sounds like it's gonna be good for like your play style mm. i have an absolute favorite class um, okay which is infiltrator infiltrator is um there's basically like three types of of combat there's biotics which is essentially space magic yeah there's like tech which is literally just like it's kind of like space magic except with a technological angle and it's supposed to be like you have something called an omni tool that is um sort of like a personal computer that you wear on your arm that oh. like does the does the space magic for the you the omni tool is separate from the biotics yes so oh, biotics <laughs> um in humans biotics are uh if you have biotics i believe it's because you have like an implant, which is what Caden has. They talk about that a lot because humans don't have like natural biotic skills, I believe, unless they're like exposed to something called element zero, which is like the thing that uh, makes this game tick essentially. But um, (laughs) like we're getting too far in it already. Um, But yeah, that's so biotics is like sort of like a a inherent ability that you have, whereas tech is like you're using the technology. Got it. And then there's just guns. Um, So infiltrator is like tech and guns. And um, in later games, it gives you the ability to uh, use what's called a tactical cloak, which makes you invisible for a few seconds. And it is so fucking fun. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So fun. Yeah. It seems like uh, now that I'm, I'm, I'm looking at them side by side, I feel like maybe I would have liked infiltrator better Um, Mm -hmm. because I like the tech stuff more than I, or I use the tech stuff more than I use the, uh, biotic stuff, but oh, well, yes. Switch in a future game. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I'm having a great time. It's fun. Awesome. Tell me more about your shepherd. So that's my shepherd's background, uh, spacer war hero Vanguard. And I just sent you a text Ooh. with, oh, what an awful angle this is for her. Oh, well, Ooh. her name is Gortney shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, because <laughs> we're in space after all so it can't just Court. be courtney it's got to be something spacey did did tara help you come tara up with did help me come up with that yeah i knew it this has tara written all over it <laughs> um but yeah uh so to, just to i mean I, I we should probably tweet a picture out yeah i figured we would tweet the pics just to describe her she's got like kind of a short hair on the sides like quaffed up on the top Um, she has a, uh, a Charlie Puth eyebrow scar and then you can't see it in the picture, but like right along her chin, she also has a scar there. Mm -hmm. I really honestly don't know how else to describe her because there's nothing else super, uh, she's a lady. She's a lady. Um, Yeah. And she's blonde, right? Yes, she is blonde. Right. I learned something interesting, uh, yesterday as I was doing some research, Uh apparently blonde hair is supposed to be very rare in the mass effect universe because it's a recessive gene. Interesting. Um, yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Well, fun fact. Huh. Yeah. Oh, I love Courtney. I'm so yeah. excited to see what she does. <laughs> She's great. I also <laughs> love her. Um, I'm role playing her kind of as like someone who 
has been in the military for a while. You know, she has the war hero background. So like she's mm-hmm. obviously kind of all in for the military right now. But immediately after the first mission begins to question that allegiance. Mm. So uh, she's also not an extremely inquisitive person. So I, I'm kind of like, I, I don't know why, but I'm kind of putting rails on myself um, in terms of like, I'm not just going to go through every dialogue option. A, because I don't want to spend 100 hours just like, tell me more about whatever, because I kind of want to feel like I'm, you know, playing this person in this universe and if this person Mm -hmm. or if this person or me whatever isn't going to answer ask this question i'm not just going to ask it so i have the information you know interesting okay yeah that'll be an interesting way for you to uh learn (laughs) about this universe yeah um i I mean i have done it a a fair amount like i've done it with like the crew members and stuff like you know asking about their personal lives and Mm -hmm. all that whatnot uh but like when I'm walking up to people for like side missions or whatever, and there's like, they like bring up something that I like don't really know what it is, but it's also not really relevant to why I'm talking to them. I'm not going to like probe deeper on that specific thing, Mm -hmm. even though, you know, maybe it'll make the world richer or whatever. It probably would, but like Gortney takes no nonsense. She doesn't need to know everything about your life. She's just trying to do what she's trying to do. Gortney going to Gort. Gortney going to Gort. The Gorts that Gort. The girls. Gort. (laughs) The Gorts that Gort. Gort. Oh my God. I love this. Yes. So that's, that's Courtney. I feel like, um, thanks to the codex, you probably still can get all that. Information. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking too. Like, like that, the codex is information for AJ. Um, <laughs> the conversation stuff is, is stuff for Courtney. Courtney already knows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> knows or does not care. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. Tell me about your shepherd. Yes. So as I mentioned, I, I have played a Paragon F Shep. I have played a Paragon. I mean, I'm still in the process of playing Jeb, which is fantastic. Jeb asks either a ton of questions because he doesn't know anything or no questions because his head is empty. Nice. And I have played, so he's a Paragon M Shep and I have played my renegade uh, F Shep Mm -hmm. who I couldn't even finish because I hate playing renegade so much. Really? Yeah. But what that left was like, oh, I should play like a renegade M Shep, I guess. Um, But as I said, I kind of hate doing that. So what I have decided is I did pick an M Shep and I decided that he's going to, which I think is a common thing that people like to do in their run throughs, but he's going to start off Paragon. Sort of similar to Gort. Going to start off Paragon and uh, slowly begin to see the renegade side of things. Yeah. Uh, as as he encounters more and more uh, opposition as yeah. he tries to save the galaxy. <laughs> and so I realized this character exists already. <gasps> and his name is Jin Sakai. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyone who's ever played Ghost of Tsushima, this is literally oh, Jin Sakai's my God. path where he starts off as a samurai um, adhering to the code. By the way, worth mentioning, there's a lot of things about um, Ghost of Tsushima that are ahistorical, including their understanding of the code, as I as I understand it. But it, he starts off, you know, very honorable and then learns that Sometimes you just got to get shit done, mm. even if it's not the honorable way. And so I have created Jin Shepherd. Oh, my God. And I will send you a, an image of him now. Yes. Here's the thing. I could not recreate a man who actually looks like Jin Sakai. Um, it was far too difficult. Bummer. Options are far too limited. But I did make a very hot man. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, that's a hot man. He's a hot man. Wow. Um, looks a little janky in the side profile, but from the front, okay. hot man. All right. Um, and he is a, I also made him a war hero, because that seemed to track. Although he absolutely could have been soul survivor, because that's also sort of Jin's thing yeah. in Ghost of Tsushima. Um, 
but I started him off as a soldier. And I think uh, in future games, I will transition to infiltrator, okay. um, which is very much in keeping with with <laughs> Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, he starts off doing things the samurai way and then kind of turns into a ninja. And what am I missing? History? Service history? Yeah, I think I went with I think I went with Spacer, actually, if I recall correctly. So, yeah, Spacer, war hero, uh, soldier. I've never played soldier before. Um, soldier is like not really any tech, not no biotics. You're just good at guns. Okay. So hence why I haven't really played it before. Cause I'm like, <laughs> that seems kind of boring, yeah. but I figured I'd give it a try. And yeah, uh, it's, it's been fun so far. Mm-hmm. He's made a lot of Paragon choices, but is already starting to renegade it up a little bit. Yeah. And I'm excited to see where he goes. Nice. Yeah, I think we're going to wind up kind of on a similar path. Um, it sounds like it. Because yeah. like I'm Gortney is mostly Paragon choices, I think, when talking to like regular people. Um, but mm-hmm. like every time I was talking to the council, it was like every third choice was a renegade choice. It was like, fucking listen yeah. to me, you idiot. <laughs> like, yeah, the council is very frustrating. Yeah, extremely frustrating. Um, so, yeah, those are our those are our shepherds. That's that's great. Mm-hmm. Should we get into some story stuff? Yeah. There's like obviously like a thousand years of history or whatever Mm -hmm. that come along with this game. But I think we'll just kind of fill in those blanks as we need to. Yeah. Uh, The the basic premise, once you sort of pick your shepherd, is that in the year 2148, uh, humans, which is uh, about 30 years before the start of the game, which is kind of wild. It seems like it should be way longer. But uh, humans discovered ancient alien ruins on Mars. Uh, Those are ruins of what are known as the Prothean who died out about 50,000 years ago, um, as will become very relevant as we go. And that the technology they discovered in those ruins enables humanity to um, make great advances, uh, generally technologically, but particularly in the field of space travel through manipulation of what are known as mass effect fields. Mm -hmm. There's like a lot of like sciencey explanation of what mass effect fields are. I am not going to explain it because I can't. And also, um, I think a lot of it is just like hand wavy, you know, sci-fi tech, but basically it, it allows for faster than light travel. So humans begin to travel further in the Milky Way galaxy and start colonizing planets as well as biotics, as we discussed, which allows to like it. You can like manipulate like objects and make them fly up in the air Mm -hmm. and all kinds of shit (laughs) um, and other technological advances. And humans then discover that there is an entire galactic community. Uh, It is led by a council of which is led by three races of aliens, uh, the Asari, the Turians, and the Salarians. And there are many other races, but um, they're all sort of uh, jockeying for a seat at the table. Yeah. And so that's sort of the context upon which this game opens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's the basic, like, baseline history, mm-hmm. right? So now I guess we'll do, we'll just get into the story stuff. Yeah. Basically, we start out, we are our shepherd. We are on a... Oh, God, I don't fully re- exactly remember the inciting like thing, but you you there, there is a distress signal or whatever coming from. Uh, oh, God. Eden Prime. Eden Prime. Thank you. Um, well, so to start, 
Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To start, the idea is you're on this brand new ship called the Normandy. It has um, like amazing uh, cloaking technology. Mm. It was uh, created by the humans in partnership with the Turians, another alien race. And um, you're basically part of the crew that's taking it for a test drive is the idea. Oh, wow. I didn't even. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And the idea is you're going to Eden prime, which is a planet where that humans have colonized to pick up an archeological find that they have found, which is a, another Prothean object called the beacon. But as AJ said on, on your way there, you get a distress signal. Right. Yeah. So we get this distress signal and we head down to the planet with Caden Jenkins and Nihilus, who is a specter, mm-hmm. uh, which stands for something. Special tactics and reconnaissance. Um, Thank you. They are elite operatives um, on behalf of the council who sort of uh, exist above the law. Some of them do things by the books. Others are a little more rogue and the council just sort of looks the other way because they get things done. That's sort of what Nihilus is. And he was actually on the ship uh, and on this mission to evaluate Shepard, who has been nominated to be potentially the first human specter. Which is a thing that I did not realize <laughs> when, when I was given this mission. Because like this is this like we said, I mean, obviously it's the first mission in the game and they throw all of this information and like mm-hmm. proper nouns at you in this in this intro cutscene. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Definitely. I know what a specter is. Sure. I know <laughs> that it's a big deal. I don't you know, whatever. Later. Well, we'll talk about the codex later mm-hmm. because there is a lot of information in the codex that is wildly fun to me. I, I was wa- just watching uh, codex entries, a little sidetrack. Love that. Before we recorded and my partner Tara was like, it's the, 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 there's a narrator voice that'll mm-hmm. like read like the, the the primary codex entries and she's like it sounds like we're in a museum <laughs> <It's> like, yeah, <laughs> kinda. it is um, kind of like that yeah yeah uh so you arrive on the planet with nihilus um and he runs ahead to scout ahead because mm-hmm. he can i i guess just just because he th- is a like proven better warrior than you yeah or whatever well, he it seems he like kind of a dumb thing <laughs> it does but he um a lot of specters i think act alone that's sort of how they mm-hmm. that's the vibe um or in very small teams sure and um he also like he doesn't you answer to the alliance but like he doesn't answer to anyone on this mission sure so sure, sure, sure. he can kind of do whatever he wants too cool for us Nihilus. Too cool. um you immediately run into uh they're just like drone robot things mm-hmm. um who kill jenkins rest in peace jenkins rip um we hardly knew ye and then we run into ashley williams who is pinned down by geth troopers mm-hmm. uh which are just like they're like robot people yeah the geth are a robot uh race that was actually created by the quarians uh yeah. who we'll learn more about later they uh were created to be a labor source but then turned on the quarians because they started mm. to become uh like self-aware so now they haven't been seen in like i think hundreds of years but now all of a sudden they're attacking this human colony yeah every time after this mission you talk to somebody who's like yeah the geth were there they're like beyond the veil mm-hmm. <laughs> like yes <laughs> Um, so you rescue Ashley, whose entire squad has been killed. And then you find these people on spikes. Um, yes. or, sorry, I guess you see the people on spikes with Ashley, but then the next people on spikes mm-hmm. you see come to life and it is horrific. Yeah. They're basically like zombies. Yeah. Fully just like robot zombies. It's yeah. Awful. They're called husks. Yeah. Uh, and the codex entry for these is like, they're basically impaled 
the victims or whatever are impaled on these spikes and then their bodies are like all of their nutrients and everything are like mm-hmm. absorbed by the spike and replaced with, you know, uh, technological stuff. Yeah. I don't know. So they just have like weird uh, like pipes and shit just like <laughs> jutting. Like, it's so it's it's on. It's harrowing. It's awful. Yeah. Um, it's scary. Yeah. Uh, and, and so you kill them. And then we get a really cool cutscene mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, we, we are like running up this ridge and then it fades to black and we, we then see Nihilus, who is arrived at this like base area or something, mm-hmm. um, runs into a fellow specter named Saren, who is also Turian and also most of the like military people uh, for the, the Citadel, uh, which is another thing we'll talk about in a minute, mm-hmm. um, are Turian. Um, just because like that is what they contribute to this yeah. kind of like whole thing. There's like three. Turians like, are a very militaristic society. And so yeah, they're yeah. they're kind of the military arm of the council. Yeah. Which we'll, we'll, we'll get into the, the council mm-hmm. stuff in a, in a minute. So he runs into Saren, who is like the villain. He is a villain immediately. You see him. He has like <laughs> robot eyes and like he is already kind of he. he he looks like he's like just stapled together pieces of metal. Mm-hmm. Like the dude does not look cool or nice or fun to be around. <laughs> um, but I guess he's good at killing, which I guess is all Spectre needs to be good at. I don't yeah. know. Uh, and so, you know, Nihilus lets his guard down. Saren turns around and says like, I'll take it from here or something. <laughs> and then like lifts his gun up and then we fade, fade back and, and we go back to uh, Shepard and, you know, you're just like running up a hill and you hear a gunshot in the distance, uh, which I just thought was so fucking cool. Really well done. It was really sick. It's I, it feels like a good way to give the player the like omniscient view right. while also establishing like Shepard does not know this firsthand, which is right. Shepard just hears a gunshot uh-huh. and then we which know what important. the gunshot is. Yeah. yeah. It's very, it's very cool. So then you make your way over this hill, you kill a couple more geth and you run into, or you see Nihilus's dead body. And then you run into this like frightened engineer who's like, mm-hmm. I saw everything. Saren was here and he killed Nihilus. I, you know, and you're like, okay. <laughs> uh, and like the whole reason you came down to, to Eden prime was for the beacon mm-hmm. quote unquote, uh, which you do find, you don't actually ever run into Saren. We actually do see another cutscene of Saren being like, make sure we set all these bombs up to blow the place up. And then the next like part of the mission is you deactivating those bombs. But you still the player or sorry, Shepard never actually sees Saren here, which is something I didn't realize until right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you deactivate the bombs, whatever. And then you find the beacon, um, which is just like this, like 12 foot tall, like USB stick pretty much <laughs> um, and so you, you get there you you kill some dudes and then Caden walks up to it and starts getting like sucked toward it and Shepard being the good commander that they are tackles Caden out of the way and then winds up getting lifted into the air having this like apocalyptic vision of the future or something it's just like a bunch of red images that flash really fast mm-hmm. and then the beacon explodes and you wake up in the med bay of the Normandy. Mm-hmm. Worth noting, if you're playing as M. Shep, it is Ashley who starts investigating oh. the beacon and who you push out of the way. Interesting. Um, There's one other moment later that I just want to do touch on about, like, I noticed, like, oh, this is a, this must be a Fem Shep like thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get there. Yeah. So you wake up and you are introduced to, well, not introduced to, you already met her probably, but um, you talk to Dr. Chakwas, uh, who's great. 
She's great. Love her. And there's a dialogue option for just to like talk about Caden, who is like uh, the the quote unquote biotic member, I guess, of your mm-hmm. squad. I don't really know if that's like the the proper term or whatever. Um, but he is able to use biotics. And she talks about how like, you know, Caden's great. He's a little off, but it's probably just has to do with the L2 chip or implant. And you're like, what's what's the L2 implant? Uh, and basically she tells you that the, the L2 two and L3 implants are uh, what allow humans to use biotics. Um, the L3 is like a really good one and it's, you know, newer and, and better and whatever. And Caden is like one of the last people to have an L2, like a functioning L2 implant because most people just like fully lose their minds mm-hmm. um, and like, like basically just die because of this implant. <laughs> um, but Caden just gets really bad migraines. <laughs> so she's mm-hmm. like, he's pretty lucky he gets migraines um, and is not, you know, any, any worse for wear. Yeah. Um, uh, fun detail is that uh, a lot of Caden's idle animations show him rubbing mm. his head. <laughs> <laughs> Our poor headache boy. Our poor um, boy. I do. I really, I, I, I do have to say, I love Caden. Yeah. I am um, a Caden apologist. Um, yeah. a lot of people don't like him because they think he is boring. I actually think he's really interesting, mm. but I think a lot of the bias against Caden is because depending on whether you play M Shep or F Shep, you will get more information about Caden and Ashley respectively. Oh. Um, and since a lot of people played as M Shep the first time they played the game, they don't learn as much about Caden. Right. So he does not seem like a very interesting yeah. character, but he is. Oh. Um, and he becomes a very interesting character in subsequent games. Um, interesting. Yeah. So uh, now that you're back on the Normandy, mm. you you have a conversation with Anderson, the, the captain of the Normandy. And he says, all right, well, we've got to go tell the council because, you know, we have a, an eyewitness who saw Saren kill Nihilus, which means he's gone rogue. And he has taken information from the Prothean beacon that we need. And so, you know, we've got to go uh, rat him out basically <laughs> and uh, figure out why he is working with the Geth because this is, this is all clearly bad news. Right. Um, and everyone recognizes that convincing the council that one of their elite agents has gone rogue and has murdered another one of their agents and is, you know, working with this uh, antagonistic synthetic race, the Geth. Yeah. Convincing them of that is going to be very difficult. Yeah. And in my notes, I wrote like, I'm just supposed to believe that the specters don't have some sort of like uh, surveillance chip or something implanted in them. But I assume the reason for that is because they want specters to be able to do illegal stuff without having exactly. to answer for it. Um, exactly. Which is honestly very cool. At the time, I was like really frustrated. I was like, this is an extremely dumb thing. But like, it is a dumb (laughs) thing, but for a reason. Um, Right. Yeah. So immediately you're like, okay, well, this isn't going to be as easy as it should be. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And surprise, it's not. Um, Just really quick. I do want to say the cutscene for like the approach to the Citadel. So cool. Is so fucking sick. It still gives me goosebumps. It's awesome. It's the, the music is so like... I don't know how to describe it. Just like classic, like sci-fi, like wonderment. Mm-hmm. Um, the design of the Citadel is very cool. It has like this inner ring, um, which is called the Presidium. It's sort of like the the bougie area where the <laughs> the council operates out of. And then four uh, like long arms, which are called the wards, which are basically just like it's like massive cities um, mm. within this space station which can get a little seedy as we will see. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 
the design of it is very cool. As you mentioned, the environments inside are mm. really, really cool. Mm-hmm. I just like that moment of first arriving at the Citadel is like one of my favorite moments in a game, I think. Yeah, it's so cool. It's so cool. And also Joker's voiced by Seth Green and Loki. I really <laughs> I, I really love Seth Green. Um, oh, wow. OK. Yeah I, uh, I, yeah. I mean, I hope he hasn't done anything problematic. If he has, then fuck Seth Green. But I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, Joker is the uh, the pilot of the Normandy. And I, as long as we're we're talking about him, um, mm. Joker is an interesting uh, example of uh, representation of someone with a disability. Yeah. Um, he has uh, what is it called? Frolic syndrome. I, I feel like I'm not pronouncing it right. Frolic syndrome, yeah. um, which is basically more common name is brittle bone disease. Um, so his bones break very easily. He walks with crutches, um, but he is like widely renowned. The best pilot. Yeah, he is like one of the, if not the best pilot in the entire alliance. Um, he's extremely good at his job yeah. and uh, kind of a, a little shit. <laughs> I did not like uh, Joker at first. And I think there's oh, really? Joker's. Yeah, there's a lot of um, controversial things about Joker in future games. And oh. I, I found him to be like a little bit like, I don't know, edgelord, but, um, oh, for sure. Yeah. But there is not to preview, but there's a great moment in Mass Effect 2 that really like endeared me to Joker in a big mm. way. So yeah, he's a fun character. Uh, so we arrive at the Citadel, um, and then we're basically told that like, we have to go talk. We meet, sorry, we meet ambassador Udina, who is the human ambassador on the, Oh, uh, it's not it's it's they they have a separate name. It's not they're not the council. They're like the assistant something or something like that. I yeah, I, I, I forget the name for basically the council is made up of and I might have said this before, but three alien species, the Asari, who are known for being very diplomatic. Um, they are basically blue women with tentacles on their heads. Yep. Um, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's it. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Salarians, who are like an amphibious species, they they were modeled after uh, greys, which are like the the aliens uh, uh, that were described at Area 51, like that kind oh, of just okay, like okay. classic alien design, but a little Big bit different. Eyes, small um, mouth, yeah. yeah. And they're known for being uh, a very um, like scientific minded race. And uh, and obviously, like, very problematic to be like all of the people of this species <laughs> share this in common. But, you sure. know, they kind of I guess it makes it easier to digest. Yeah. Um, and as we mentioned, the Turians who are um, very militaristic and so are kind of the military arm of the, the right. council. And then there are lots of other uh, alien species who are all kind of like trying to get a seat at the table. The, and the ones that like aren't the ones who are trying to get a seat at the table are they have ambassadors. Right. Um, and then those ambassadors have like their own. They all answer to the council, but they all also kind of like it's like mm-hmm. a U.N. kind of situation, I guess. Yeah, they they basically try to um, try to promote the interests of of their species with the council, which um, did you chat with? You can actually meet ambassadors for other races. Did you chat with any of them? I don't think so. 
So if you, when you're in the, no, wait, um, sorry, sorry. Yes, I did. As soon as you, as soon as I came yeah. in, if you go to the right instead of the left, yeah. which is like the main area, you can go talk to, um, yeah. Cause I made a note, a note about him. Din Korlak. Yeah. Who is a vor, Volus. Oh, Volus. Um, which yeah. are just these, he's like a little round guy in this like suit. Um, and if you listen to their codec entry, it's because their planet has a really ha- uh, high pressure atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And so if they don't wear these pressure suits on other planets, they will literally just like split open, which is, yeah, but also Gross. so cool. <laughs> yeah. The, the world building with the different species and setting aside the fact that it's like, they're all very, uh, one note. Yes. <laughs> um, but the, the one thing that I really appreciated as I was replaying and thinking about it, uh, sort of in a new lens is the way that all of the different species we learn about the environments that you know of their home planets yeah and how that kind of impacts their societies right and i think it's really fascinating so you have the volus they're like a like a merchant species yeah and you also meet uh the elcor yeah who are this like Big. Oh, they're so cool. They're like big. They're quadrupedal. Um, they they look like they're made of wax and they're like melting. But yeah, their their whole thing is that they they don't among their species, they don't communicate through words. They communicate through like like pheromones and other things. So oh. when they speak to the other, yeah, when they speak to the other species, their voices don't have any like inflection or anything to sort of communicate the way that they feel because they just don't use language mm-hmm. that much. And so they, at the beginning of their sentences, they always kind of like convey the tone of what they're saying yeah. uh so they'll be like surprised but uh, like just so you can like understand yeah. the vibe of what they're saying yeah. the two that are in there with din Korlak are so nice they're so like yeah they're kind. Really, like <laughs> yeah they're a kind species that i think their whole thing is like they they evolved on a high gravity world so they're really slow and strong and large mm. like i i just love that that things like that were thought about. It's like the, the devs seem to have started with, okay, what kind of place did, did this species come from Mm -hmm. and how did that impact their physiology and their culture? Yeah. It's just extremely cool. It's really, really good. I love it a whole lot. The world building is really cool. The, the, the different species are very, very cool. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, speaking of Din Korlak, um, when you walk in, he is talking about like, how you catch like the end of a thought of him being like, well, you know, it, it we've been trying for however many years to get on the mm-hmm. council. And it seems like they're just going to give it to the humans because for whatever reason. Um, and then you go up and talk to him. He's like, Oh, hi, <laughs> what do you yeah. want? <laughs> um, which I thought was funny, but uh, so that's just like another, another bit of like, I don't know, stakes building, I suppose, mm-hmm. uh, which is cool. Uh, and then, so you make your way up to the Citadel tower uh, which is where the council is on your way. You run into Garrus, who is an ex C-Sec agent who was investigating Saren, right? Uh, at this point, he's still with C-Sec. He is still with C-Sec, which is yeah. uh, Citadel security. Right. C-Sec. Um, it's basically like Citadel cops. Yes. Um, he was investigating Saren and uh, basically we come in uh, at the point where he's having a conversation with Executor Palin, who's the head of Citadel security. Uh... Um and is basically like, I'm, I'm shutting down your investigation, Karis. Okay. Um, we haven't found anything. And uh, it's because all of the information about Saren is classified because of his specter status. Right. 
Um, so, you know, Garrus has basically run into a dead end. Uh, you know, red tape has gotten in his way. And so his his investigation shut down and um, he's like, you have a brief conversation with him where he says, well, I hope, you know, you're able to do something about yeah. this because I'm not anymore. Yeah. Uh, so then you go and meet Ambassador Udina and Anderson and you go and talk to the sorry, Ambassador Udina and Captain Anderson. Uh, mm-hmm. And you go and talk to the council uh, who, like him described before, is the three representatives uh, of the, the mm-hmm. main Citadel races species. And and also fucking Saren is there to yeah, plead Saren his innocence. In. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're like, Saren, did you do this? And he's like, no, fuck you. And they're like, OK, see ya. And like, that's basically yeah. what the scene could be. <laughs> yeah, they're they're basically like the only evidence we have is uh, Shepard had a dream and uh you know, there's this one human colonist right. who claims he saw Saren kill Nihilus, but he's traumatized from, you know, what he just witnessed. Yeah. And so we don't find him very credible. Yeah. And there is. So um, sorry. I was just say, so we're you know, we're not going to demote Saren. And yeah. sorry about it. It's very frustrating. Um, this is also kind of like around this moment, I guess, is when you find out that I don't know if it's like some Turians or if it's just Saren really hates humans yeah so there's i know there was a war right right so the turians are the first uh alien species that humans encountered um so and that led to a conflict known as the first contact war so yeah there is still some lingering resentment between turians and humans um and i feel like the game does a really good job of showing you um, both among humans and among Turians and other species as well, some really distrust the other and some are sort of more willing to uh, to trust mm-hmm. <laughs> other members of the race. So, for example, Saren is said to really not like humans. Executor Palin, head of C-Sec security, does not like humans. Oh. Um, yeah, you have a conversation with him or you can... Um, where he's basically like, I, you know, I feel like humans have just come in here and started trying to run the show. Mm. And, you know, I don't know anything about you, so I don't trust you. <laughs> um, and then on, you know, on the human side, there's um, like someone like, say, Caden, who doesn't seem to have any any biases against he aliens. Seem to have any thoughts at all. <laughs> any thoughts in his uh, beautiful himbo head. <laughs> Very shiny head Very on that shiny. man. They they explain this is so far in advance. They explain that the reason why uh, Caden's hair uh, looks like that is because of the uh, because of his biotics, like the electric <laughs> fields create like static. I'm like, no, he's just yes! putting in too much hair gel. Like we all know. Um, <laughs> that's so good. That's that's way way in Mass Effect wow. Three, but I do it's it's too funny oh, not to share here. Yeah. So yeah, Caden doesn't seem to have any. Uh, any biases against alien species ashley absolutely does um which we learn more about later yeah um and i don't know if you spoke to uh presley who is the i think navigator yeah yeah really doesn't trust aliens yeah he was well this is skipping ahead but you talk to him and you're there's there's aliens on the ship uh and he's mm-hmm. like oh, i don't know how you feel about this and then there's like a a, a conversation option that's like oh you know tell me everything like i just want to know like what your what your deal is um, and he just says like humanity has been on its own for so long and we like discovered space travel on our own and we did all this blah, 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 blah on our own. So like, I don't really know why we need other people here. And basically I, Courtney shut that down quick and was like, look, we're like all <laughs> doing this together. There's no point in denying help from anybody regardless mm-hmm. of their, you know, species. 
So this is one one area where I think the Paragon Renegade divide, like the devs were a little bit confused Mm. (laughs) about what they were trying to do with it, because if you select certain Renegade dialogue choices at the beginning of the game, Shepard is just like anti-alien, essentially. Oh, like there's one that I always think of is um, before you drop down on Eden Prime, when Nihilus goes ahead, you can have a little more dialogue with with Anderson before you start the mission. And um, there's a dialogue option that's like, can we trust Nihilus? And <laughs> which seems like a legitimate question. But then when you select it, it's like, can we really trust a Turian? Yeah, and it's I like, think whoa, I did whoa, whoa. that. I think I did that. I, I like, didn't oh. mean to be a space racist. <laughs> yeah. Um, But yeah, so this is an example of um, where I think, you know, Renegade being the, well, I just want to, you know, get things done, uh, you know, at at all costs. That is clearly not (laughs) like the same thing as like being distrustful of an entire race. Right. Um, Interesting. But it's I I do just to get back to my initial point, Mm. I do think it's really cool that they um, present all of these different viewpoints on both sides. It's neat. Yeah. Yeah. And that it's not like, except for Saren, like it's never this person's mm-hmm. entire personality is like ha- hating whatever. <laughs> You're shaking your head. Um, <laughs> You'll see. As far I, as I, I want know. you to form your own judgments. Yeah. I've, I've heard some things about some characters, but I have mm-hmm. yet to encounter something that makes me judge them right. in that way. But I also have not spent a whole lot of time with that specific character, but mm-hmm. just uh, make sure you, you talk to everyone in between story yeah, missions. Yeah, yeah, Cause yeah. that's how you get more more dialogue from them and more characterization. Got it. So after this meeting, uh, we decide we should probably go find uh, Garrus because he was doing all this investigating for mm-hmm. or on Saren. Uh, you also get a little bit of you're told that Saren and Captain Anderson have history. So Ambassador right. Udina tells you or tells Anderson that he shouldn't come to the next meeting. Spoiler alert. He does come to the next meeting because of their known history. Mm hmm which we find out later. Uh, and Udina tells you that there is uh, a CSEC, an ex CSEC officer named Harkin, who you can talk to, who is in Cora's den. Yeah. Uh, or uh, if you talk to Captain Anderson, he tells you, you can go talk to Barla Vaughn, which I immediately forgot about and mm-hmm. did not do. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fine because one thing that the game does very well here is basically all of these different leads where, you know, you're like, we got to, try and get some dirt on Saren. Mm. All of the different leads that you get in this moment are leading you to different, what are going to become your squad mates, but they, they feed into one another. So whichever of these threads you follow, it will lead you to the others in an organic way. Mm. Um, so you can do them in not any order, but, um, sort of like in varying orders Mm. and it will still makes sense as an organic linear story, which I think is is really impressive. Although I will say it is possible not to recruit uh, certain squad mates just by like missing um, the mission, just avoiding them entirely. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, because even when they join, you get the option of like, no, you can't come with me, um, mm-hmm. which just seems like a, a, a wild choice. But I guess you could just play the whole game with Caden and Ashley and no other allies. Yeah, I'm not actually sure if you can turn them down. Um, Oh, okay. I have to look that up there because yeah. there definitely are some options that make it sound like like no, I don't want you on my team. Yeah. But okay. They yeah. It seems like they're giving you the option. Yeah. I don't know if you if, if it's it, an actual like, option. Actually, mm. yeah. I don't know. Sure. So I went to go talk to Harkin in Cora's Den. He's just a retired or I guess fired CSEC officer. 
um, mm-hmm. who just gets drunk all the time. And when you go talk to him, he just is a misogynist. Yeah. If you're F Shep, he hits on you in like a number of gross ways. Yeah. And this was the aforementioned, the the thing that I realized was like an F Shep exclusive thing mm-hmm. is, is Harkin hitting on you, um, <laughs> which cool, I guess. I don't know. Mm. No, I mean, I, I, it was an, it was an interesting thing. It was, I hated the moment because I didn't, I didn't like it. Yeah. But, uh, also worth noting Cora's den is essentially a strip club. Yeah. Um, where like you can literally sit down and just like watch, <laughs> watch a stripper yeah. dance. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, gross. Very two thousand seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is in the age of uh, the God of War uh, sex mini game. So, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> you talk to Harkin and he points you in the direction of he he tells you where to find Garrus. Right, duh. Who it said he he's he probably is down like in the medical the med bay area or something. I don't remember yeah. exactly what it is. You also see Rex here for the first time, but we'll get to Rex in a minute. Uh, so then you go to find Garrus, who is in or yeah. So you you go down to to where Garrus is, which is like in this. I guess it's like a doctor's it's office, like a med yeah, clinic, like a, like yeah. a clinic. Um, and there is this the the clinician uh, is being held at gunpoint um, from people we find out are sent by Saren. Garrus is there uh, hiding. And as soon as you show up, <laughs> it's it's actually very cool. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's I, I don't know if cool is the right word, but like the 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 guy sees you, sees Shepard come in, holds the woman at gunpoint. And then Garrus uses that opportunity of like, oh, mm-hmm. they're distracted to just like shoot this guy right in the head. Um, yeah. And then and then, you know, you kill the other two guys and, and that's it. Cool thing. Thanks, Garrus. Yeah, uh, very cool. And starting to get into the characterization of Garrus. Um, who is a little bit more on the renegade side uh, at the beginning of this game. Um, I don't know if you picked the Paragon or renegade option when you, when you first talked to him after this, but the Paragon one is you being like, that was a really stupid move because you could have killed the hostage. Oh no, I think I was like, nice Um, shot. Like that was sick. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If you, if you pick Paragon, you like, you're kind of like, what the fuck were you thinking? Mm. Um, And he's like, well, it was, I, I, it was my opportunity. And, I'm so sorry, Dr. Michelle, are you okay? <laughs> and it's like you you see him like suddenly second oh my guess gosh. His, his choice. No, I'm a, I'm a um, full Garrus renegade enabler, apparently. I That's great. Um, that will impact things uh, <laughs> in, in a subtle way. But it's it's very cool how um, hmm. particularly with Garrus, uh, you can sort of influence his, his path. But yeah, so uh, we find out that uh, these guys who were threatening the doctor, Dr. Michelle, were sent by uh, Fist, who is basically kind of like a crime boss uh, and the owner of Cora's Den, who we find out sort of has some connections with Saren. And so they were coming to uh, to keep Dr. Michelle from telling Garrus about Aquarian. Um, this is another race, mm-hmm. uh, the race that created the Geth, by the way. <gasps> who uh, she was here because she had been shot um, and she apparently has some dirt on Saren. Mm. Uh, So she was, (laughs) she came here uh, to try to meet with what's known as the shadow broker. Yeah. Who is basically this mysterious person. Um, It could be a group of people, like nobody knows anything about them, um, 
but they are literally an information broker. They have operatives everywhere and know a lot about um, what people are up to (laughs) in the galaxy. And so um, she wanted to provide them with this information that she has uh, about Saren, I think uh, for her own protection. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So then uh, Dr. Michelle also tells you that like, oh, last I saw she was she was walking in the back alley (laughs) behind the bar. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can go walk down the back alley and you come across um, or actually, no, this isn't the order I did it in. I actually got I did Rex next Mm -hmm. because they're talking about the center broker and they talk about the fist Uh, and the fist is who we saw Rex arguing about uh, in Cora's den. Mm -hmm. And Rex. mm -hmm. Has been hired by the shadow broker right. to kill to Fist kill because Fist. Fist has betrayed the shadow broker in some way. I think right. by by passing information to Saren. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, yeah. So then, um, you you find, I think Rex is just like standing around the the CSEC, uh mm-hmm. place. CSEC brought him in for questioning. Right, and then. You, he, you tell him that, you know, you, you want to go talk to the fist and he's like, okay, yeah, sure. Great. And then he joins your team. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. pretty, it's pretty light on the, like, I, I mean, he's just trying to do whatever he can to go, uh, get to fist anyway. Um, mm-hmm. so I think that, you know, that, that fully makes sense, but it's very funny. You can like talk to your squad mates as you're walking around the place. Uh, and if you talk to Rex, Rex in the CSEC area of the place, he's like, uh, CSEC usually brings me down here for some impromptu questioning every time mm-hmm. I come to the Citadel. Um, <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, so then you head back up to Cora's Den to deal with Fist, and there are no dancers or patrons. It's just people with guns. <laughs> so you shoot them. Yeah. So you shoot them. Right. Uh, yeah. So there's a there's a couple of stages of a gunfight. You meet Fist, who then you hold him at gunpoint, but you're like he's willing to just give you information without you killing him, and tells you about the uh, where the oh god what's Quarian. Quarian, thank you. Where the Quarian is, um, which is just a back alley behind the bar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, he he basically um she wanted to meet with the shadow broker and he was like, Oh yeah, oh, sure, right. I'll set up a meeting between you and the shadow broker. Um, but really she uh he set her up to yeah. uh meet some of I forget if it's like his goons or Saren's goons. It's um, Saren's goons because they have that like skull yeah. painted on their face. Yeah, they're gonna take take her out um because she has uh, information linking Saren to the Geth. Yeah. Um, what happened to Fist in your... Yeah, career? so uh, I was like, all right, see ya. And then immediately Rex shoots him in the head. And I was like, what mm-hmm. the fuck, buddy? <laughs> He's like, I had to finish my I had to finish my uh, contract. And I, I think I had Courtney say like, never do that again. He's like, that was my final mm-hmm. contract. We're good. I was like, okay, <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, uh, in mine. So basically you can choose whether yeah. you kill Fist. As you mentioned, you did not. I also did not. But then Rex will <laughs> will do it if you don't. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think I actually chose like, well, he was a bad guy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, all right, whatever. Yeah. Um, in my head in that moment, I was role playing Gortney as like someone who is used to like leading people. And it's like, oh, I like that. You're yeah. Like, you know you're my subordinate more or less. Mm-hmm. You have to like follow my orders, but he was like, no, it's cool. That's the last time. That's the last thing I had to do. I was like, okay. Yeah. So then you go to this back alley, uh, and you rescue the Corian, uh, who is introduced to you as, uh, Tally Zora Narea. Uh, mm-hmm. she just goes by Tally and okay. So 
The Quarians are a race of maybe robots. No, they're they're organic. They are um, definitely organic. Okay, because in yeah, their in their codex so, thing is like some people think they're maybe robots. Yeah. So the the thing with the Quarians is um their home planet uh did not have like a lot of diseases, I guess. Oh. Uh it could also just be that uh because of what happened to them subsequently. But anyway, they have very weak immune systems, sure. the Quarians. Um so they again were the race that created the Geth. And um they created them just to be like servants. And then uh the Geth started asking questions like, why am I here? Do I have a soul? <laughs> uh and uh the Quarians panicked uh and tried to destroy the geth but at this point the geth um were sophisticated enough to fight back uh worth noting a very interesting thing about the geth is that they operate um i think they call it like a neural network uh where like the more geth there are in close proximity the more sophisticated they are in terms of like processing Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, one geth on its own might not be very, uh, intelligent, but a lot of geth together, um, can be very sophisticated in, in, you know, how they operate. Mm. So all of the geth together on the Quarian's home planet, uh, were able to fight back so effectively that the Quarians had to abandon their planet. They live in exile now on a fleet of ships called the Migrant Fleet. Mm. Um, and they all wear these like self-contained suits, um, because of their weak immune systems. So you never see, uh, their faces really, really interesting. Yeah. That's good stuff. Uh, yeah. Really fascinating. So yeah, Tally is, um, she's on what's called her pilgrimage. Um, it's sort of like a, like a Rumspringa kind of thing where, um, when Quarians become of age, they leave their home ship and uh, are basically trying to to become a resident of another ship in the migrant fleet. But before they do that, they have to kind of go out and explore and find something, whether it be technology or resources or information that will um, contribute to the new ship to basically show like, you know, I'm going to give back. <laughs> um, right. And Tally was out, is out on her pilgrimage. And she, she heard reports of, of the Geth uh, having left the Vale, which is um, where the Quarian's home planet is, mm-hmm. um, which has never happened before, uh, tracked them there and got a, a memory core out of one of them that uh, links Saren to the Geth. Yeah. So that is what brought her here. Yeah. So there's a, an audio file on that core where Saren is talking about just talking about like attacking Eden Prime and stuff like that. Uh, and then there's another voice that says something about the Reapers, which are apparently what wiped out the Protheans 50,000 years ago. But also, maybe they never existed for some right. reason. Yeah, it's because this is a memory core of the Geth. We understand what the Geth believe yeah. about the Reapers. Um, yeah. They believe they were a, this very advanced machine <laughs> race um, that hunted the Protheans and the Geth actually worship the reapers like they are gods because they consider them like the pinnacle of non-organic life Mm. and believe that Saren knows how to bring the reapers back. And that is why they're working with him. Yeah. Uh, And so when you bring all this to the council, they, first of all, there's like irrefutable proof that Saren had stuff to do with Eden prime. So they immediately revoke his specter, whatever. And then Shepard's like, what about the reapers? And the council's like, never existed. They don't exist. There's nothing to be worried about. It's like, uh, okay. (laughs) Uh, yeah, they I think guess. it's just a legend that um, 
that Saren is using to manipulate the Geth. the Geth. Right. Also notable, the uh, the Asari member of the council recognizes the other voice on the call mm-hmm. uh, as or on the that recording yeah. as Matriarch Benezia. Matriarchs are powerful, older members of you know, the Asari race, um, who are revered for their wisdom and experience. Yeah. And she's the Asari council member is very, uh, surprised and concerned to find out that she is working with, uh, Saren. Yeah. Um, and then they make you a specter. (laughs) Yeah. They're Uh, like, okay, well we kind of can't deny this anymore. Yeah. But uh, they are concerned about like sending um, forces after after Saren, partially right. because and this is such an interesting thing that I think is kind of glossed over. But um, Saren, we believe, is in a part of the galaxy that is like technically outside of the council's jurisdiction. There are oh. a lot of sort of like unsettled parts of of the galaxy. Okay. It's called the Traverse, um, right? The Traverse. Yes. Right. So. They're like, we're not going to send our full forces in there because we don't want to upset like the other races in the Traverse um, and start an all out war. But what we can do, Shepard, is make you a specter and authorize you to go take care of this. Yeah. And so uh, you are appointed a specter. It's a very cool moment. (laughs) The first human specter. Hooray. Hooray. And I guess for the record, we uh, Harkin also tells you that Anderson was in line to be the first human specter like 20 years ago or whatever, um, but says he like botched his trial mission or something, mm-hmm. um, which I don't know, I assume or we, we find out that Saren actually kind of fucked him on it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess we can touch yeah, on it that It pretty now. much happens um, next. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's uh, shortly after this you finally manage to get Anderson alone and, and ask him about it. And he explains that um, he was um, on this mission with Saren where the Alliance figured out that a rogue human scientist was developing illegal AI tech worth noting. AI is illegal. VI virtual intelligence is legal, but um, AI is not uh, <laughs> which uh, with the Quarians they were always skirting the line when they created the Geth. Um, they were like just on the right side of the law, but uh, but because of how the Geth operate in large groups, uh, uh, that is how they ascended to the level of of an, a true AI. Got it. Um, so uh, basically, <laughs> just an aside, <laughs> uh, they find out they found out that some human was trying to develop illegal AI tech. The council. Um, insisted on having a specter go on this mission, this alliance mission to stop them. Uh, so the council sent Saren, uh, the alliance sent Anderson. Um, they tracked him to a colony where there was this refinery. Um, and the plan was to just go in stealthily, capture the scientists and get out. Um, they split up to cover more ground, but, um, there were, I guess, guards there. And in order to uh, draw off the guards, Saren caused an explosion at the re- at the refinery that killed over 500 civilians. This this story is a little bit unclear and inconsistent, I noticed, mm. because they he says, well, it was officially ruled an accident, but 
Anderson then got like Saren made sure that Anderson was blamed, which like, I don't know how you get blamed for an accident, but Saren said that Anderson blew his cover um, in it, that it was Anderson's fault that the guards were ready for them. And that's why it turned into a massacre. Um, so that's, it doesn't really make sense, (laughs) but, um, uh, you know, unless there's something I was missing that sort of explains it, but that's the reason why Anderson, uh, and Saren strongly do not like each other. Mm. And because of that, uh, Anderson steps down as captain of the Normandy. Um, he says, you know, I, I can't have my hands in this. Um, unfortunately, Udina is right about that, but you can. So I'm turning over the ship to you. Like, I trust you to go do this. Yeah. Uh, And then the ship is yours. Before we fly out of the Citadel, Mm -hmm. once you come back into like the main, like once that cutscene happens and, you you know, you become spectered and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Once you go back to like the main area, like the entrance area, I guess, of the Citadel, you run into a man named Samesh Bhatia, um, Mm -hmm. who has like, it's such a small quest that is so easy to do. Mm-hmm. But it is like it is perfect in my mind. It's a great like quest. I played this quest and it is perfect, like emotionally, mechanically, like intellectually, like it 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 does so much in like the five mm-hmm. minutes that it takes you to do that quest just running mm-hmm. back and forth. And like it does so much world building. It does so much, uh, you know, immediately uh, emotionally uh, ingratiates you to this to this man. And then also shows you the benefits of having charm or intimidate stats. Mm hmm. It's so good. It's such a good piece of game design in this game. And basically his his wife had died on Eden Prime on Eden Prime. Right. And presumably had been husked or something Mm -hmm. or like something almost husk ish. And so he tells you, like, they're not releasing my wife's body and I just want to give her proper burial burial so I can move on. And, you know, and I'm now just realizing Mm -hmm. (laughs) that if she died on Eden Prime, that she was probably in Ashley's squad. If you uh, have <sighs> Ashley in your yeah, squad, fuck. when you do this, you unlock certain options uh, that you wouldn't otherwise have because Ashley did know right. his wife. Shit. Um, <laughs> uh, I forget her name, but... Uh, Narali. Yeah, so... Yes, so Ashley can actually convince him to to give up on, on getting her body back. That's interesting. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. And it's like, again, great design. Mm -hmm. Like the, I, I, you know, I can see some, someone potentially being frustrated with that idea, but they do flag it for you, I think. Uh, and maybe it depends on who you have, but I think I had Caden in my team and he was like, oh, I bet Ashley knew, knew her mm, um, no, when I, you find out who she was. Yeah. At this point, every time you've recruited a new member, it lets you like reconfigure your squad. Mm-hmm. So I was just running around with Rex and Garrus because they're cool looking. Yeah. So I didn't actually. And also cool. And also cool. Um, I didn't actually get any of that like hey, maybe you should go talk to Ashley. But mm-hmm. when you, when you, so you talk to Samesh and then you go and talk to the, you know, one of the scientists, Clerk Bosker, mm-hmm. who is like, you know, we, we have to hold on to these bodies because there are things happened on Eden Prime mm-hmm. that have never happened anywhere else. And we need to examine these bodies. And like, we probably won't be able to re- release them for like over a year. And then even then, like the, the benefits of this, whatever discoveries we make won't happen, mm-hmm. won't come to fruition for another like four or five years. Like it's a right. very long, you know, long process as science is wont to do. Mm-hmm. And the idea is like it, learning what happened to her could prevent this 
from being done to more right. humans. So it is, it, it, at first when you hear from Samesh, it's like, oh my God, it's awful. They won't like release his wife's body. Yeah. Um, but the game does do a good job of, of justifying why, you know, it is justifiable for them not to release her body yeah. in a way because it could save lives in the future. Yeah. It's a, it, like this game, I think, um, in some cases more than others, but like it does a really good job of creating moral quandaries where you're like, yeah. damn, I could go either way on that. Mm-hmm. Like I can see both, both sides. Yeah. Just, um, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's rough. But, um, mm-hmm. after you talk to Cleric Bosker for the first time, when you go back to like plead his case to Samesh, it shows you the charm and intimidate options, but they're grayed mm-hmm. out if you don't have the high enough stats. So I was immediately like, yeah. Oh, I need to, <laughs> I need to put some points into this. Um, so I did and I, I, I used my charm stuff to be like, look, I know it sucks, but like mm-hmm. her, like the, whatever discoveries they make with her body and the other bodies from Eden prime are going to be like invaluable mm-hmm. to humanity. So like, I'm really sorry. Yeah. And he like, he does, you know, come to that understanding. Cause I'm basically like, what do you think your wife would have wanted? You know, mm-hmm. she gave her life willingly to this cause. Like, wouldn't you think if she was alive that she would volunteer her body for like research and stuff? So like, right. You really, uh, you know, I don't know, which is kind of manipulating to be like, you should honor her memory by, you know, doing what you think she would have done. Yeah. But yeah, um, I that is one. Um, I guess that's the difference. It's not you still have the option. But um, if you have Ashley in the squad, yeah, she sure. like helps make that yeah, point yeah, yeah. for you. And and it's like I knew her personally, yeah. like I can say with some confidence that like she would have believed that that this was right to save more people because she was that kind of, you know, soldier. Yeah. So yeah, it's, that is, that is also the option that I went with, which I think in past playthroughs, I have always, uh, gotten him her body back. Really? Yeah. Did you, um, it's possible you just like, haven't gotten this yet. Cause it's sure. It just depends on how many elevators you were in. (laughs) Um, uh, when you, so a lot of, um, parts of this game, because it was from 2007, uh, they needed time to load yeah. <laughs> the next environment. Yeah. And so the way that they do that a lot in the Citadel is um, by making you take elevators and to make that a more interesting experience, they will either have uh, your squad mates who are with you at that time, like have a conversation or there's like, you know, like a newscaster mm-hmm. voice, like the radio is playing in, in the elevator and it's like, you know, news, uh, news stories. And one of them is, um, it's about Normala. Yeah. And um explains that, you know, her like her dream was to open a restaurant with Samesh. And yeah. it's just like a very um really sad thing. Um yeah. but it's like a very I like it's just such a good poignant moment because it continues to impress upon you, especially if you get it, I think you can only get it after you meet Samesh, but um like it reminds you of the very human stakes, um, the very personal stakes in every decision that you make in this game. Yeah. And that's that's what makes it so effective, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good stuff. I didn't get that radio announcement on the elevator, but I did get the one from the uh, investigative journalist side quest. Um, mm-hmm. to, she's trying to prove corruption in the Citadel. Um, yeah. And if you go back to the fists office, you can grab some, you know, Intel and bring it back to her. And then I did volunteer my services for the future um, as nice. well, because at this point now having dealt with the council, Gortney is having some second thoughts about mm-hmm. like the actual uh, construction of this entire thing. And like, yeah. is it 
actually working how it's intended. And AJ, when I tell you, like, all of this matters. <laughs> like, really? Like, the, these kinds of things will come back later in the series. In the series? And not just in this yes, game? Not just in this game. <laughs> okay. It's remarkable. Wow. Like, the way that they continue to thread these these storylines and these characters into the game. Wow. It's, I love it. Yeah. I, it's 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 really fantastic. good. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What? Let me just see. Are oh, there any other side quests you did? Yeah, uh, I also did one. Chorbin, who is the one who wants you to scan mm-hmm. the keepers. Um, you run into a a, a Volus. Is that what? Yeah, Volus. A, a Volus named Jalid, who was Chorbin's partner, and now thinks Chorbin is trying to kill him. Because they have some information that they shouldn't have. So basically, it's like a whole back and forth of like, Jilly's like, he's trying to kill me. Can you get him to stop? And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. And then I go to Torb and he's like, well, we're collecting information for the shadow broker. So like, I'm not trying to kill him. I'm just like trying to make sure he's not trying to sell our information off. Yeah. And then you go back and talk to Jilly and he's like, oh, no, I'm not trying to sell the information off. I'm just trying to make sure he's not <laughs> trying to kill me. And he's like, OK, well, you guys should just like talk to each other and like have a conversation, work it out. And he's like, oh, OK, yeah. <laughs> that's the whole side yeah. quest. It's really good. Um, <laughs> but uh, that is where like, like in that little side quest line, mm-hmm. I don't remember. I, I think, I think it's Jaleed. Like when you go back to end the quest tells you that like nobody has been able to scan the keepers ever, like ever right. in 50,000 years, <laughs> mm-hmm. they've never been scanned for information, which is definitely not weird and definitely yeah. won't have consequences. Probably. <laughs> AJ, I delight in telling you <laughs> that all of this it all will matters. make sense at some time mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, it won't be hidden in, you know, <laughs> behind, uh, you know, you putting uh, like, I don't know, Garrus and Tally in a room together or yeah. something yeah. like it will all make sense. That's good. It's delightful. Good storytelling. There's also a little moment right before you go into the final council meeting. Um, where there is a a CSEC officer talking to a Hanar, which is just this, Mm -hmm. they're like big, big jelly. They look like jellyfish. People, yeah, yeah, um, who were gifted speech by, quote unquote, the Enkindlers through a, and then through a series of uh, dialogue options, you realize the Enkindlers are the Protheans Mm -hmm. and they, the the Hanar worship is gods. Right, because they gave them the power of speech. Wild stuff. Wild. Gang. Wild. (laughs) Wild. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just to explain, uh, cause I believe this, uh, happened when we recorded with Brendan and Steven, mm. um, <laughs> the, these are the, the aliens who, when they speak, they refer to themselves as this one. Oh yeah. Um, and the reason why is because they have what they call soul names that like only their close relatives and, and loved ones know. And then they have like a common name that they, they use, um, but yeah, it's it's just another great example of like interesting design. And the reason why they're jellyfish is that they like their planet is like covered in water and it's just yeah. cool shit. It's man. very cool shit. So, yeah, uh, then we're a specter. Uh, I'm sure that there were other side quest stuff that I may have missed. Oh, sure. Yeah. And you can go back at any point. Yeah, that's what that I figured is like I will want. come back yeah. and run around at some point. Uh huh. Just some interesting things uh, before we leave the Citadel. Mm-hmm. I just want I know we mentioned like the environments are so great in there, um, but I really wanted to highlight like it would have been very easy 
to not do that. <laughs> like the Citadel, it has like a lake and there's greenery and there's, you know, it looks like buildings. And you can see because the Presidium is in this like ring, when you look like all the way in the distance in the Presidium, you can see the curve of the ring. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Oh. You should try like looking when you're like crossing the bridges yeah, over like the, the lake. Yeah. yeah. Take a look. Oh. Cause like you, it's just so well done. And the reason why it like blows my mind is like, they so easily could have just made this like gray walls. Yeah. And like, you know, like it's a space station. It totally could have looked like what we think of when we think of space stations mm-hmm. where it's just like, you know, very uh, clinical and like, and it would have been, I'm sure a lot cheaper and a lot easier, but they really did that. And they make it feel like it really is a city in space. And it's so fucking cool. Yeah. I love the Citadel so much. Um, And I think also they do a lot of great environmental storytelling. For example, there is um, a statue of the Krogan in the Presidium or of a Krogan, Mm. the Krogan, which is the race that, Rex belongs to. Um, they uh, are a species that was uh, the phrase they use is uplifted by the Salarians. Yeah, basically, this is a wild story. This is wild, and it is a little like it, it has like kind of gross connotations because the idea is the Krogan hadn't reached the point technologically of like being able to travel, and I, you know, they might not have like discovered like mass effect technology yeah. yet. But the galaxy was under threat um, from another race known as the Rachni. They're like an insect race Mm. who were basically trying to uh, colonize the rest of the galaxy. And the Krogan being like a very aggressive species, again, kind of kind of gross connotations, but um, they were a very aggressive species. And so the Solarians are like, okay, what we're going to do is we are going to uplift them bring them into, you know, the galactic community so that they can fight this war on our behalf, Mm. Um, which they did. And they did very successfully. And so that is why there is a statue to the Krogan uh, in the Presidium to sort of like honor. Yeah. Honor them for for helping defeat the Rachni. Yeah. But after that, the Krogan, who have a very high birth rate, started colonizing planets themselves, but trying to colonize planets that were already colonized by other races, which led to more conflict known as the Krogan rebellions. And um, this led to uh, one of the most fascinating pieces of lore in yeah. the entire trilogy, yeah. uh, the genophage. Um, this was a disease that um sort of together uh i think it's like the solarians created it but the turians were the ones who like deployed it uh-huh. that they uh infected the krogan population with that makes only one in a thousand krogan births viable um and as a result it has um su- significantly reduced the krogan population obviously and it has i think it's really interesting they explore like the psychological impact that that has upon this race of people who feel like they have no future. Because of this, a lot of Krogans, like Rex, have become mercenaries because, you know, they don't feel like they have a future on their planet. Their planet, Tuchanka, also, um, I think even before the Salarians uplifted them, the Krogans had um, been warring amongst themselves 
to the point that their their planet is um, has been like largely destroyed uh, due to nuclear war. Mm. But yeah, we we sort of see and you'll get more of this as you speak to Rex, but um, they are a people without a lot of hope. And it is just a fascinating storyline. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where the game tries to make you see it both ways because like, well, the Krogans like would have, you know, just kept overpopulating <laughs> and, uh, you know, and yeah. causing conflict and whatever. Does that justify uh, biological warfare. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, but yeah, it's it sets up a really interesting thread um, that, and it, it's just it's so good because it's not just like a thing that you hear about. You get to see the personal impacts of it um, yeah. as you learn more about Rex, yeah. and it's mm, it's so good, and all of that. <laughs> you start to find out because there's a statue of the Krogan in, yeah. in the, the Presidium. It's just yeah, so good. It's so cool. Um, my first big conversation with Rex on the Normandy, you know, we just, you know, uh, Shepard doesn't know shit about shit. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, just asking questions about like, Oh, what, like, what's the deal with the Krogan? Like, what is your, you know, what's your society like? And Rex brings up like the Turians of like, you know, uh, ruined you know wiped out so many of our people blah blah blah. and i knew about the jetophage aj but i i I knew that shepherd didn't so i had gortney ask like or be like well yeah i know how that's how that is like the turians you know Mm -hmm. like wiped out a bunch of humans and stuff and so it's like kind of the same thing so i don't know why you're like being so salty about it and rex (laughs) is like oh did the turians also make it so that you guys can't reproduce ever and that one Mm -hmm. in a thousand births only uh is viable and then gortney immediately was like oh no i'm so sorry yeah oh oops i'm being really fucking ignorant and then and then rex is like I'm not like, don't apologize for your ignorance. He's like, I'm not mad mm-hmm. at you for being ignorant about it. Like why, you know, why would you know this thing? Mm-hmm. Which I thought was just like a really good character moment for X, a really interesting world building moment and just a really cool moment for Shepard as well to be like, Oh, mm-hmm. there's stuff that I don't know. And yeah. maybe I shouldn't <laughs> just like immediately <laughs> jump at the thing that I, you know, assume I know uh, mm-hmm. really, really cool. Really good stuff. So good. Uh, and then you're basically given three options. Mm-hmm. Two of them are places that Saren might be that are old uh, Prothean or they're, they're human settlements on Prothean ruins, right? Or around Prothean ruins. Um, one of them is a is a human settlement around Prothean ruins. That's um, Pharos. Mm-hmm. And there's been Geth activity there. Mm-hmm. There is also Novaria. There's been... That is a really interesting planet. It's a planet where corporations uh, set up like some of their operations because I think it's outside of Citadel space and uh, in the Traverse. So they just like do illegal shit out there, basically, (laughs) Um, which is so good. And then uh, there's also the Artemis Tau system, Hmm. which um, you hear that... uh, Matriarch Benezia has a daughter who is a scientist specializing in Protheans who is believed to be somewhere in that that system. Yeah. So those are your three options. Mm-hmm. And I did I did choose one. Oh, did you? I did. Um, but I think we'll talk about it next week. Do you want me to tell you which one I chose? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah which yeah. one did you choose? Uh, so I did the Liara mission. Um, I went to the Artemis Tau 
thing, um, which is really cool just in terms of like, oh, I have to search around the the galaxy to like find this person. Uh, I do mm-hmm. just want to comment on the first time you open the galaxy map to travel yeah. is one of the coolest fucking moments that I've ever had in a video game. Uh. So you open this galaxy. This is making me so happy. There's this big galaxy, like, you know, uh, projection floating in the center of, like, the the main control room in the Normandy. And you Mm -hmm. go up to it, and that's how you navigate. It's like, okay, cool. Yes, I've done this before. I've I've navigated an overworld map. Thank you. You open it up. You're at the Citadel. And you can move around this space, but there's nothing else there because it is the Citadel. So, you you know, it says hit B to move out. It's like, okay, it's to zoom out. It says, okay. We zoom out. So there's the, the, the widow now, which I guess is, like, the area of the the nebula where the citadel there is solar systems okay 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 mm-hmm. so there's some solar systems and it's like okay i still don't see any other waypoints so let me zoom out again you zoom out again you're looking at a nebula you're looking at the uh, the the nebula that the citadel is in it's like okay there's still no missions here i guess i'll zoom out again and then you zoom out and you're looking at the entire milky way galaxy <laughs> and on the complete opposite side of the galaxy is where all your missions are mm-hmm it just like blew my mind at like the scale that we are talking about in terms of like, mm-hmm. oh, well, we have to go to this planet to do this thing. And it's like the other side of the fucking Milky Way galaxy. It was an, it was an amazing moment. Yeah, I really loved it. I, I'm glad that I've never like watched anybody play this game before. <laughs> um, I'm so glad. Also, the music. The music is really nice. And the map is really good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very cool moment. And I it it can be, I think, potentially overwhelming, but Mm. I almost feel like that is a good thing in some senses just to give you an idea of like the scale. Yeah. You know, as we've kind of talked about, the planets do end up being kind of samey when you when you explore them. But, um, you know, the strength is in the story. So that's not really that big of a deal. And in any event, it is just to give you a sense of scale like that is just. It's so good. Yeah. I also love, um, so the re the way that FTL travel works is, um, you use what are called mass relays that <laughs> so use like, cool. they're so cool. They use mass effect technology to basically just like slingshot you from, um, uh, gal- or system to system. They're just like big guns for ships. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is another, bullet. this is another thing where it's like the Protheans built this and we just use them. Um, oh, the Protheans built it. Yes. Oh my God. I thought yeah. the Protheans just like whatever it was just like part of Prothean technology, the mass, the, like the, the element or whatever, mm-hmm. but they, no, we, fuck they me. built them. Um, and so I don't know if this, if this is, I think it is true in this game, but it certainly is in others when you are like moving your little cursor around trying to decide where to go and mm. you like select a, um, or like hover over a system. Yeah. It will show you yeah, the, like, path. the path that you're that the ship is actually going to take yeah. through the mass effect relays to get there. Like you you bounce from system to system to form a path to it's the system so that you're going to. It's cool. just so good. It's yeah. So good. It's, it's like the it's such a tiny thing, but it, it it gives you immediately an innate understanding of okay, this is how that travel works. Mm-hmm. And even though it's like just kind of hand wavy, like sciencey stuff, it there's still something about it that makes it feel more grounded that like there's some logic to this. OK, even if I don't understand how this uh, fake 
technology works, I understand the concept of bouncing from waypoint to waypoint kind of that will get me where I'm going. It's just really good. It's so, really it's good so, so building. good. Yeah, really, really good. Uh, incredible opening to a game. It's extremely mm-hmm. fun to play. The characters are really good. I was really honestly surprised at how fast you build up a squad Mm -hmm. Um, because now having done the Liara mission, I have a full squad and I've only been playing the game for, Oh, you did the Liara mission. I did the Liara mission this morning. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll talk about it. I was going to say, it's really, we can talk about it now unless we want to keep it short. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think so. Right. (laughs) Yeah. That's good. We're, we're already like two hours in. Um, but that's great. I like that mission is, um, as you've probably seen, it's it's pretty short. Um, yeah. The others, Pharos and Averia, are a bit longer. Sure. Um, so which one would you like to go to next? Um, I'm thinking it's most interesting if I go to Neveria next, because I just mm-hmm. recruited Liara, who is the matriarch's daughter. So why don't I yeah. go to the planet where the matriarch might be? <laughs> yeah, um, this is the thing where I was like, I don't know if I should like you know, give you hints, got it, got like, uh, but I guess the game, I, I didn't remember the extent to which like the game was already telling you, like, this is the matriarch's daughter that we're sending you after. So like yeah. you can kind of like build that path. Yeah. On your and own. the fact that you can like in your squad screen, it sh- even when they're not in your squad, they are just like a kind of grayed out, like mm-hmm. the entire portrait. Like it's not like a silhouette or something. Yeah. It just like is Liara is like, Oh, okay. Well if this is who I'm looking for, I know that this is yeah. like who we're going to find. So I Plus, just like, that. if you have any familiarity with mass effect, yeah, if you haven't too. played Liara is like such a prominent character in like the marketing and stuff. I think yeah. that, yeah, it's not that hard to figure out. No, but yeah. Yeah. So that was, uh, so happy our first mass effect fun. episode. Yay. Here's a question. Yeah. Are we ranking the squad mates? (laughs) I think so. I think yes. But here's the thing. I already know how I feel about these characters (laughs) very, very strongly. And so I it's possible that that could change. I'm trying to use this as an opportunity to make choices I wouldn't necessarily make in previous playthroughs. Sure. So it is possible that I'm going to learn more about certain characters than I otherwise would. Yeah. But at the same time, for some of those characters, I know them really well already and I have very strong feelings about them. Sure. And so I don't feel like I should necessarily sure. be doing rankings. Yeah, yeah. But I do think you should. I can just do a really. Sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it'll, I mean, it'll be way easier than doing all 30 war children. Y- yes. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm just going to go from bottom up. Um, mm-hmm. No, but we're, we're nobody's at F, E or D um, yet. Ashley's at C because I don't really know anything about her. Caden mm-hmm. is a B because he's just fun and still kind of really nothing to me. Mm-hmm. And Liara also a B because we just met. She seems like she'll probably have like a really interesting storyline. Mm-hmm. But as a as a character right now, she's just kind of like all the Asari are like weirdly kind of like one note um, in terms of oh. like how they speak. It's all just like very monotone and the whole, you know. Uh, I I think all of the races are kind of like that. And I will say it's very goofy that they're like, all of these aliens are girls and all of these aliens are boys. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like in the game, it is a very long time. There are female Turians and there are female um, Krogan in the world, for Mm -hmm. example. Um, We will not meet them until way later in the series. And uh, worth 
I guess worth pointing out here, as long as we're talking about it, the Asari are a monogender race mm-hmm. um, who happen to all look female yeah. to our eyes. Yeah. And I mean, and all of the I think maybe they are, quote unquote, female because they they use like matron and matriarch as their yeah. like stages of life markers, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of odd. Um, yeah, but I guess maybe like, much, that could be chalked up to like a translation thing. I don't know. It, I think it can, because um, that is something interesting that they like never really like. Everyone is supposed to be using translators all the time yeah. in this game, which is very funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's probably a translation thing, and um, I don't know. The we'll get into it more in the future. But there are some interesting things going on with um, the Asari and gender and sexuality. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so you'll get to know it a lot more as you get to know Liara, um, and she, like, tells you more about the Asari, but um, I think it also gets explored even more in later games. Cool. So it's interesting. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, No, you're good. Um, A quick question about the Asari. Do we ever see any of them with their tentacles not, like, pulled back into a ponytail? No. Damn. Not that I'm aware of. They have to have some kind of utility, right? Like, species don't just develop tentacles on their head for no reason. Yeah, I don't... (sighs) It's very possible that it gets explained somewhere and I just don't remember sure. it. Fair enough. I'm um, sh- there's a lot of lore in this game. I I'm will sure say <laughs> another interesting thing about the Asari, as long as we're talking about it, the Asari appear differently to every different species. <gasps> Whoa. Every species sees the Asari as looking very similar to their species, Whoa. but like blue and with tentacles. Whoa, that's awesome. That's yeah, so cool. It's a very cool detail. And I think it also, it makes sense uh, in the context of uh, the Asari, like culture, um, which, again, we will learn very soon. <laughs> sure. It's fascinating. That's wild. Um, not all of it, I think, like handled great, but it's it's certainly interesting. That's awesome. That's really cool. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ashley C, Caden Liara B, I think Garrus A and Rex S. And 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 Garrus is mostly just a so that I have someone in a. <laughs> um, I really <laughs> would really, you otherwise feel like he's an S or yeah, a B? An S for sure. An S. I, I'm a big fan of Garrus's whole vibe. I he I think he is just like a really he seems like a really interesting character. Mm-hmm. He is certainly the most like I guess verbose of the squad mates. Like just like the mm-hmm. way he speaks feels like a real person. Yeah, which I appreciate and I like a lot. Uh, and then Rex, I mean, Rex is S. He just has great vibes. And uh, I think mm-hmm. the 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 Krogan like mythology or not mythology, like lore stuff is is really cool and interesting. And I don't know, I I, 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 I can appreciate that Rex immediately told me to fuck myself um, <laughs> when I when I messed up, because, you know, that's what that's what you need, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's those are my rankings. Um, I guess I need to find a new sad. level up sound. Uh, <laughs> Oh yeah. Um there is there is a level up sound uh for when like Shepard levels up. So Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I so have to I go think, and refresh yeah, my sound work. effects library for all the appropriate <laughs> sound effects. Um yeah. it's not uh, quite as triumphant as no. the level up sound. <laughs> um but yeah. I mean that's I think that's it. Did you have anything else that you wanted to bring up, Kim? Um I don't think so. Um yeah, I I think that's about it. So with that, that that's the end of this first episode of season two of the podcast. Um, 
Kim, good video game. I'm so glad <laughs> that you feel that way. Yeah. I I was prepared for the possibility that you might not enjoy it. Really? Um, well, I mean, I it, guess, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's always a possibility. Um, but I'm I'm really glad that you are. Um, I'm really excited for you to see the rest of this game because I too. think if you're if you're this bought in now, the the things that you're about to learn are just gonna <laughs> blow your mind, and I think you're gonna have so much fun. Um, yeah. And I can't wait for future seasons to play even more Mass Effect. Um, <laughs> Spoilers. We'll probably play the a, rest of them. God, I keep forgetting to address the fact <laughs> that we are going uh, a little bit outside of the format of the show. Well, OK, <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. Yeah. The show has had one season. The conceit yeah. of the show was that we were going to play games that we had never played before that we have had people tell us that we should play because they are good. Mm-hmm. And... We know what we're going to play for the third season of the show, but we're not going to do it yet. <laughs> and we needed something. We needed something for the inter- intervening time between season one and three. And Mass Effect is like a perfectly sized game for that. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, we had in the beginning of us developing the idea for Async, I think we the idea had been for it to be games that neither of us had played. Yeah. But as we kept trying to think of of potential games um there were a lot of titles that came up where you know i'd be like oh aj have you played this because i haven't and you'd be like yeah i I have actually played that (laughs) yeah um and vice versa and it was there were a lot of really cool games that fell into that and um including the mass effects including the mass effects and i think also at some point like it it felt right for the show to also include um, because the whole conceit is it's games that our friends have been telling us to play. Yeah. And uh, I, I think it's it's we are friends and we tell <laughs> right. to play games. And right. so it, it felt like it fit. And I think also if there's one thing that I learned last season, it's that playing a game just for fun and playing a game to like really talk about it and dissect it and, and think about it in a different way um, are two really different experiences. Mm-hmm. And so I think there is a lot, you know, uh, a lot of this is just, you're going to get to experience it for the first time and I'm going to get the fun of watching you do that. Yeah. But I'm also going to get the chance to look at this game in a new way. Um, and that's already happening. And so um, there are, I think going to be more seasons like this, you know, folded in along with seasons where there are games that neither of us have played. Yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to address that because I, <laughs> I realized at some point someone listening could be like, wait, I thought the idea was wow, like, Kim they knows a lot the about this game. Kim knows a lot about Mass Effect. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, better late than never. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we're looking forward to finishing this game out and we're really looking forward to season three and then in the future, probably Mass Effects two and three at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you for coming along on this journey. Also, not only is today's episode the first official episode of season two, it is also our first official episode as a part of the Worst Garbage Podcast Network. Yay! Um, Which means we're also going to be migrating away from our personal Discord, uh, or not personal, our like discord for this show the async discord right and moving that conversation over onto the worst garbage discord there will be a channel for asynchronous there are already channels to talk about mass effect specifically so Mm -hmm. you know we can use the asynchronous channel to you know still talk about the episodes and stuff that comes up 
in the episodes and stuff like that. And then if you want to talk about if you're playing past the game or, you know, whatever, if you want to talk to other people who have played the game and that maybe aren't listening to the show, you can just go right over to the Mass Effect channel. Mm-hmm. Check that stuff out. Um, there's also a Fire Emblem channel there. So if you're still playing Fire Emblem, and you want to do that. You know, everything that you can do on our Discord is also over on the Worst Garbage Discord. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say we're going to be completely like obliterating our discord yeah we just aren't going to be updating it i guess is the yeah i i think it'll sort of just stay frozen in its current form because i also i like the conversations we had in there and um you know it was a nice vibe in there um and i want to thank everybody who uh, joined us in there for for our first season um it was really a delight to to see our little community start to grow. And I I think that'll be a nice place for us to always have. So Mm. um, I don't think we're going to be deleting any channels or anything. I don't think we're going to be like kicking you out, Um, but it'll sort of just be um, like a little um, time capsule. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. The word I was looking for a time capsule of um, our first season with all of you. So thank you all so much. Yeah. Thank you all so, so much, really. And thank you uh, to the folks at TWG for welcoming us we're really really excited yeah uh, to be a part of the network yeah it's a very cool thing a lot of cool shows in the network including another show that kim and i do called frog of the week yeah another show that i produce called into the aether and then kind of the whole conceit of the worst garbage is that it's like whenever people come up with interesting or fun ideas shows will pop up and they'll be around for a little bit and then they'll you know disappear because that idea has kind of been you know worked through to its logical conclusion or whatever um so it's a it's a very cool network proud to be a part of it it's a it's a it's a great place to be the community is really good over on discord um so we'll be replacing the link to the asynchronous discord with the link to the worst garbage discord so for anybody who didn't listen to the first season while it was happening that link that was in our show notes already should have led you to the worst garbage discord um (laughs) and from now on uh the the discord link will be for the worst garbage uh and i believe that is all the housekeeping with with that stuff right yeah great yes um thank you so much to amaranthan for writing our uh, wonderful intro and outro music. Thank you mm-hmm. to Scout for making our art. Links to their pages are in the show notes. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at AJ Falleri. Follow me at Okimmies, and you can follow uh, the podcast at AsyncPod. Wonderful. Beautiful. Kim, I know it's a new season. Do we have any mm-hmm. final words for the episode? My final words, AJ, are to uh, congratulate you on becoming the first human specter. Uh, the safety of the galaxy is yours to uphold. Wow. Thanks so much. Wow. You're welcome. <laughs> See you next week, everybody. Bye. Bye.